masterpiece. I had an experience uh, the other day where I was doing uh, one of those things where I was looking at some old photographs. You ever had that experience where you flick back through old photographs? But these photographs weren't just sort of ordinary photographs. These were photographs of Riverside. I think I found a photo of the first ever leadership meeting. Uh, deep in prayer, I presume. Uh, I also came across a photo of what I presume is how they used to discipline children in children's church. I think I also found evidence of uh, one of the first youth camps. And finally, I think I found, I'm going to get into trouble for this one, one of the photos of the first ever Women's Weekend Away. That is a joke. In all seriousness, no, I did see these photos. Some baptisms taking place in the Mosley Baths, I'm guessing mid-90s. You may recognize some people in the room right now who don't look as though they've aged at all. Steve and Carol, both of them. <clears throat> and this one, Andy and Sue Simpson baptizing there, and this one. Amazing photos, and some may well have been there, but it got me thinking. Here we are today, some of us were around then, many of us were not. But in a very real way, what we're doing today is simply a continuation of what has happened for decades that God has done in the life of Riverside. We are here today because over the years, many hundreds of people have led and served so faithfully, simply sharing what God's done in their lives with other people. All with one aim, helping whoever, however, get to know Jesus more. And in many respects, the foundations laid back then and beyond and before, the heartbeat still continues today in what we're doing right here, right now. We are massively indebted to all of those that have been on this journey for all of those decades. And for those of us who have just been part of it in recent years or now or even here in the last few weeks, we're indebted to the giants who, through Riverside's history, have served so faithfully. And looking at these photos made me realize something, that we never really know the impact of our lives. If we were able to travel back to the Mosley Baths back in the 90s and tell those gathered there that we've traveled back in time simply to say we're doing what they did, helping people to get baptized because Jesus has changed their life. I think those guys back then would say, wow, it's worth it. It's worth it. And in our society today, we spend so much time thinking of the impact of my life now that we forget the impact of our life way, way, way beyond us. Basically got a story of laying foundations for what comes next leaving a legacy afterwards. And there's basically two different ways of living. Did you see that? Two different approaches to how we approach life. Jesus is telling a story about a master who's very wealthy and goes on a journey, and he has three servants. He gives his servants each a pot of money. He gives one five, one two, and one one. 
pots of gold or the equivalent in those days. And Jesus is basically saying in a culture that is obsessed with religion, take care, he says, take some risks. Three very different people with three very different gifts given to them and how they respond is very different. Look at what the passage says. The man who'd received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. And the one who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Two of the servants boldly used what's been given to them to leave a legacy after them. One servant simply buries it because he's afraid so that he doesn't lose it. And then, of course, the wealthy master comes home and says to the first two servants these words, Well done, good and faithful servant. I entrusted you with these things, and you've done wisely with them. He pleased, it pleased him. They've done well. They knew their master had been generous. And so with that generosity, they wanted to put it to good use. But contrast that response, well done, good and faithful servant, with the way the master responds to the other one who dug a hole and buried it. This is what he says to him. You wicked, lazy servant. Not very impressed. And of course, in the context of that day, Jesus is saying something pretty clear to all of those people listening. Don't rest on your laurels and trust in your old understanding of God. Be willing to take a risk with what God is doing in the life of Jesus. Jesus is saying loud and clear how important it is to take a big risk for the sake of what could be. The first two servants were literally willing to risk everything for the sake of what could be. Now, in, if we're honest, we tend to think that kind of risk, where they are risking everything, they're betting the whole farm on what could be, we think that kind of risk is stupid or unfaithful. But the master thinks it's trustworthy, well done, good and faithful servant. Scholars estimate that five, the five bags is the equivalent of a hundred years worth of a salary for a laborer. A hundred years worth of salary. That's a lot. And so when the master congratulates them, look at what he says. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. I don't think a hundred years worth of salary is a few things. And yet this master is so wealthy that because of their boldness and risk-taking, he then says, I've got way more. Way more. Isn't that the point? The servants thought they were risking a lot. The master knew different. And because they've been willing to take a risk with what they have been given, the master gives them more to put to good use, even greater blessing. The first two servants were willing to risk everything for the sake of what could be. Contrast that with the third servant, though, who played it safe for the fear of losing it all. Simply that servant didn't want to lose it 
and so just buried it. He wanted to play it safe out of fear of losing it all. The first two servants wanted to take a risk, and they risked losing it all for the sake of what could be. The third servant played it safe, wanting to protect what is, and actually then ended up losing it all. And what's interesting is that it seems from this passage that the master is less interested in the amount that's been gained than the fact that they at least tried to do something with what he'd given them. As one author, Leon Morris, says, keeping it, burying it in this way, meant that there was no possibility of loss, but it also meant there was no possibility of gain. And the whole story makes us realize this. Playing it safe might be the biggest risk of all. This came home to me a few years ago when I was in my early 20s. I had the privilege of traveling around southern Africa with my brother. And one of the things we did was to visit Victoria Falls. Anyone been there just out of interest? Victoria Falls on the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe. It's an astonishing natural wonder of the world. It's twice as high as Niagara Falls. It really is amazing. And one of the things that you can do is go whitewater rafting on the river that flows out the Zambezi. So as young 20-somethings, we joined the group of tourists to go rafting. There were five different boats. And as we were getting ready to head off, my brother and I realized that we were in a boat with just three other guides. Not as in girl guides, as in river guides. And as we were about to go off, the guy who was leading our boat called us over and said these words, are you up for a bit of fun? <laughs> Obviously, being young 20-somethings thought, yeah. And I remember what happened next for the rest of my life. Here is us. Me and my brother sat at the front. That's me. Lost a bit of weight since then. <clears throat> and I began to notice that at various stages on the river, our boat was going in a different part of the river than the other four boats. And this is what happened. The boat leapt up, up, over, and that is me. <laughs> tumbling into this wild, wild river full of crocodiles and with massive rapids. Our boat completely flipped over, throwing us all into this wild river. And you might say, yeah, but that's just stupid. <laughs> but you know what? I look back on that experience as one of the most memorable experiences in my life. And I know that when we got back together, all these five different boats, all the other four boats were talking about what? our boat that flipped over. Why? Because playing it safe might be the biggest risk of all. You might say, Tim, but that's a wild river. It could have been really dangerous, and you're absolutely right. But after the event, I began to realize something. Those guides in our boat knew exactly what they were doing. In fact, if I flip back, you see that guy in the middle at the top who's kind of clinging on towards the boat? He knew the river so well 
that when we all came up to the water, he was sat on top of the boat. What he did was, as the boat flipped over, he, ro he rode over the boat on top, so he didn't go in the water at all. Why? Because they were in control of what was going on. They knew this journey. We thought this was bonkers and crazy. They knew this wild river like the back of their hands. We thought we were in great danger, but they were fully in control. Friends, playing it safe might be the biggest risk of all. Helen Keller once said, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Those servants thought that the, what the master had given them was big, but he was just getting started. His resources go way beyond. The risk is worth it. He can be trusted, the one who is in control. And do you know what's what the master says? Come and share your master's happiness. And I think the point is this, as we come to respond. We so often want everything sorted out to know if a risk is worth taking. But then it's not a risk, is it? I think the point is this. The master rejoices with the actual risk because it shows trust in the master. And so what might that mean for us today? As I was preparing, I really felt a sense of burden about how this might apply for us. Four different ways, four different groups of people, perhaps. The first way is this. For some of you in this room right now, you are just beginning to discover that God is real, that he really does love you, that Jesus really did die for you and came back to life, guaranteeing, if you put your trust in him, that eternal life. You're just beginning to discover that. You've got a million questions. And because you've got a million questions, you're not quite sure if, like these guys, you're getting baptized, if you're quite ready to, as it were, jump in and say, I'm risking it, I'm all in. And you know that this morning, you've felt God saying, let's go for it. And if that is you, and you know this morning you want to say yes to Jesus with all of the fear, with all of the uncertainty, with all of the risk about what that could look like for your life, I want you to come forward and I'll, I'll tell you how to do that in a moment. To say, come into my life, change me, forgive me, Lord. Even now there will be people here, you know your heart is beating fast because that is you. Can I say the risk is worth it? That's the first group. The second set of people are people here, you know you are a follower of Jesus. And you know that there is some sort of decision that is looming in your world right now. And you know deep down what that decision is, but it is terrifying, frankly. And the risk, you don't know how it's going to pan out. And you've sensed this morning, God saying, I've got you. Playing it safe may actually be one of the riskiest things you can do. And it may be that something is connected with you and you've heard God say, son, daughter, I've got you. This wild river that you're about to step into, it's my river. You can trust me with your risk. For others of us who are regularly part of Riverside, we call Riverside our church. There's actually, like the servants, for some of us, a particular financial thing that we know we feel called to do. 
Over the last couple of weeks, if you're a regular here at Riverside, uh, you, we've been providing the opportunity to take a look at our giving to Riverside for all of us who regularly give. And it may be that for some of us, we know we call Riverside our church, but we've never started giving in any sort of meaningful or regular way. Maybe today there's an opportunity for you to do that. Over as we go after the baptisms where there's refreshment served, there's going to be some guys there who are on tables just helping any of us that want to go and say, I either want to start giving or I want to explore the, the kind of what I'm currently doing in life, the way I give to the church. You may be that's the risk that you need to take. For others of us, it's not that we need to start, but we know we haven't really reviewed it in any real measure. Or even for others of us, there is something that we know we feel called to do, but it's big and it feels risky. Friends, the risk is worth it. God holds the river. So that's the third group. But I wonder, as I come to a close, if there is a fourth group as well. And I think that is us as a church. Do we want to head forwards playing it safe because of trying to preserve what is? Or are we willing to take risks for the sake of what could be? Over the coming years, there will be some risks we need to take as a church. Riverside Academy, you've already heard about That's a risk. That's change. We don't know how that's going on, but we're excited. We're willing to go for it. But there will be many, many other risks. And friends, we can be certain that the master rejoices in the risk because it shows trust in him. And others of us, we know there's risks. It might be changing the way we view things, changing our approach to things. The message is clear from this passage. Playing it safe might actually be the riskiest thing of all.